Welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Belmar again. And once again, we are continuing our journey into the question, why horror? Where each week, myself and a different guest try and unpack this fun question. So before I jump in, this week I am joined by Rob Simpson. So yeah, if you can just kind of introduce yourself, like what it is that you do and kind of like plug your own kind of connection to the horror world. Well, um, I'm a very seasoned podcaster. I don't want to say how long because it'll make myself feel old. But um, this is my third go at it. Uh, I do Directors Uncut, in which we take a huge list of uh, names from across the spectrum, um, pick one at random and talk about them with a variety of people from across the UK and Ireland podcasting scene. It's It's been great fun. Brilliant. Yeah, and I, I've... I myself have appeared in your little fun section where it's like, what have people been watching this week? And that's hmm. always been entertaining as well. So yeah, no, that's great. And I lo- I really like what you do. That it's like rather than specifying it, specifying it to one genre or anything like that, it's just hey, hmm. film directors, they're great. Let's talk about them. <laughs> yeah, and it's it opening myself up to some really um, dreadful ones. <laughs> I'm not being. I'm only going to have this podcast where you only talk about the best directors ever because that's boring, really. Let's be honest. <laughs> I like your style. It's like I'm also going to inflict my <laughs> inflict myself with the punishment of bad directors too. I have to, <laughs> you know, I have to be balanced. You know, oh, of course, of course. <laughs> you know, this... As far as um my uh, connection to the horror genre, I am taking. I mean, this is such a cliche. I hate even saying it out loud, but I am taking the first steps of um filmmaker of being a filmmaker, just sort oh, of cl- right. like, gathering a bunch of scripts together, so I can just sort of go at it. So yeah, and they're all horror. Cool. I, I couldn't imagine myself making like a drama. It just mm. it feels it feels ugly even saying it. You know, <laughs> it's like oh, I feel unclean drama. <laughs> Brilliant, but no, that sounds really cool, and I wish you mm. all the best in that endeavor. That oh, thank you. Really fantastic. Um, yeah, like I just I think it, I love how there is such an overlap of like creatives between like podcasters, <laughs> filmmakers, writers. Like we're all like little. <laughs> the creative community that overlap in many interesting ways but you know that sounds really cool so yes best of luck on that Um, and yeah and thanks for coming on to this pod and as I like to kick each of these discussions off with this first question because every horror fan or even every film fan has an answer to it and Hmm. also I just like hearing the different films that people tell me so for yourself (laughs) what was the first horror film that you remember watching and then slightly adjacent because sometimes these um, answers can be different um what was the horror film that made you a fan of the horror genre well man's a bit unconventional really I mean you hear these stories of all sorts of people saying, oh, I watched um, Hellraiser when I was seven. It's like, what, really? <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> I, f- I think I remember watching Exorcist, like, you know, it was before it was 
I think it was still banned. So you had mm. like uh, VHSs that came into existence. But before that, that wasn't even the first thing. I think it was sort of like a very slow build because um, I uh, grew up in the 90s. Mm. So I had a, a lot of those TV shows which were horror adjacent. Mm. Um, we talked about this on my podcast, actually, sort of those gateway things. Yeah. Two shows in particular, which you could never, ever get away with them now. Um, Round the Twist, which I defy anybody to hear that theme tune once and not have it stuck in their head for the rest of their life. <laughs> and uh, Eerie Indiana. Great. I think there was another one. Um, what was the one on ITV called? I think it was... Uh, Who's Afraid of the Dark, was it? Does that sound right? I think that was right, yeah. So those three things, sort of, um, if you've not heard of those uh, listeners, it's sort of, uh, I guess, Monster of the Week, where it's got a consistent characters, like a couple of kids in their town and just spooky stuff happens around them. Interesting. I don't think, now, like here in Ireland, like we ne- wouldn't necessarily get all the same programming as yourselves in the UK. Mm. Like sometimes there's an overlap with certain channels. But yeah, no, I don't think, I've heard of any of those. Like they just must have skipped my childhood in some oh, Wow, ways. really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just assume that these <laughs> things are just everywhere, really. <laughs> yeah, no, they're these are I think I've heard the name of Round of Twist, but never seen it. And the yeah. other ones seem like are like a foreign language right now to me. But I'll have to see um, seek them out then. They sound interesting. Eerie Indiana, that was by uh Dante. Oh wow which I didn't know until years after the fact. But yeah, it's... I can't remember any episodes from yeah. Eerie Indiana at all, but I remember a few from around the twist because it was... It, it kind of respected kids, you know? I mean, it didn't mm. just... You see the Goosebumps movie now, like the kids' Goosebumps movie, yeah. and you think, wow, that's just so sanitised. It's, it's dull. Yeah. Whereas around the twist, it's like, you're a kid, I don't care. We're going to have this um, scarecrow man's chase after a, a small child. And it's like, put on at like four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's such a good point, even when you compare it to like even the original Goosebumps TV show that I, I remember that as a kid. Mm. Like, I remember that being on when I was a kid. And like that, when you compare that to the new Jack Black Goosebumps movies, like pales mm. in comparison because like, yeah and actually um i just love love that it was like kind of those type of gateway tv shows was your entryway in because yeah that's one of my favorite thing about doing this series so far is everyone has their own different like story of how they got into horror like some people it's like you know they've had like a parent or an older sibling that's basically been like you're gonna watch horror you don't have a choice (laughs) here you go Or yeah, I mean, beyond that, I mean, I, my only real exposure to horror, I mean, I, I was terrified of it for so long because uh, I remember going to, like, the local video shop and, like, little little Rob, like, <laughs> tiny little Rob, big standee of Pinhead. And, you know, oh. it's it's very scary. And uh, I remember yeah. watching, like, coming, you know, when you come down in the middle of the night and you catch your parents watching something. Mm. I don't know what movie it was, but if you... Like, Day of the Dead, there's a scene where the, the terrible military guy is torn in half and all of his guts go everywhere mm. and seeing that at a very young age. They're like first sort of germs of memories of horror and that terrified me for a while. And if I watched it back now, it's like, that's Tim, what's that? That's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. No, I love that. Um, but actually I like that, like that point you made about like 
the new Goosebumps movie just being so mm. sanitized in comparison yes. to what we get got when we were kids. Cause that actually links to one of the questions that I have thrown together because like across the board, it feel like it's something that like I've noticed and I never know if it's just me or if it's actually happening, but it feels like across the board, a lot of our general media is very sanitized and desexualized kind of compared to what we got when we were younger and like i know historically horror has always been the one kind of genre of film that's been like you know the rebellious stepchild putting a middle finger up to that and going no fuck (laughs) that we're doing what we want but to me it even feels like horror is almost going that route too and i want to know what you think do you think that this sanitization and desexualization is something that's there or maybe i'm making too much of something that isn't a problem (laughs) Uh, well i don't know if it's a problem but it's definitely there (laughs) Mm. um because when i like learning horror and discovering horror horror is is dirty and slutty let's Mm. be perfectly honest (laughs) so many things that you saw an age where you really shouldn't see them um but now horror, I mean, I love horror. I'll always love horror. Yeah. But, I mean, this is a question that you've not answered, but I'll, I'll go into it. But horror's more divided, I think. Mm. There's the intellectual horror. There's yeah. there's horror by people who blatantly don't like horror and they're just using it to get a, a career a style, mm. which bugs me so much. Mm-hmm. And there's... <clears throat> Sorry, and there's there's um, a group of people who love eighties horror and imitate it so closely, but mm-hmm. they do it with all sort of the slickness of now. They're trying to create a cult movie, and nobody tries to create a cult movie. Yeah. It's all very, it's all very considered. Mm-hmm. When there was nothing like that once upon a time, it was just right. We've got this idea, we've got some money, or we've got some, uh, I don't know, warehouse or something. Let's just go and make something. Let's get nuts. Yeah. I and... know what you mean. And yeah, like that. I think that, oh, that's, I really like those points you've like, picked up on there because I do think that is the case that there is that annoying type of filmmaker that doesn't love horror but is playing in the horror sandbox, as you said, to try. Mm. Cause like the thing is like, you know, if we look at the history of like just film in general, not just the horror genre, but horror is where, you know, is always the smaller budgets. It's where a lot of filmmakers have kind of made their name, but, you know, yeah. they kind of get their chops, whatever in the horror genre and then expand into other things. Um, same with actors as well. Like if you, if you look at like, you know, the filmography of like certain actors, like you'll see that there's like horror films at the start because that's where you get your start and then you get bigger. But there is this, as you said, this type of like kind of filmmaker. And I don't know if it's like just directors or writers or just across the board, like regardless of field within filmmaking. But there is this type of like, I, I don't like horror, but I'm going to play in the sandbox to get my name out there. And if you, it rubs yeah. up the wrong way. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, basically. <laughs> I don't know how to word this. It's just, um, it's because horror has always been the outsider. It's always, mm. I mean, it, when you go in the video shop or whatever, the HMV, whatever it might be, yeah. it's kind of like one step removed from porn. It's always had that sort <laughs> of reputation. <clears throat> Yeah, and now it's cool all of a sudden, which I think it's been for a little while now. I'm using cool in sort of quote marks. Yeah, um, 
because horror has always been the outside. It's always been cool. Don't be, don't be yeah, silly. exactly. <laughs> but, um, this people are using it as sort of a, a shortcut to a career, mm-hmm. rather than like personally, I want to just make films because I think it's fun. I yep. don't. If anything comes of it, cool. But if anything doesn't come from it, I'm not bothered either way. So. Yeah. It's just a very calculated decision to try and get as far ahead of their career with as it's like it's like playing chess, mm-hmm. and it's just tacky. Yeah, one hundred percent. I wonder if like you know an element element of that comes from you know the whole idea of auteur theory and auteurs. Like you know, if we look at the fact that you know people can say a certain director, like you know director's name and automatically they think of the films in that person's filmography and stuff like that and it's almost like there are people that want to be at that level because Mm. of the infamy level rather than they're actually just enjoying making films like yeah um for in my the first like comparisons that pops up in my head is like say comparing you know ty west to even say like a robert eggers like to, I, I know I really like the stuff that Rob, mo, some of the stuff that Robert Eggers has put out, but it kind of feels oh, there, like there's a there's a contentious song. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, um, but it feels like it. He's got the vision of wanting to be a name, whereas mm. like you look at Ty West and Ty West is just making films. Like you know, yeah, that, yeah, that's been is. my takeaway of the the comparison of those two horror bros because they're both white bearded men <laughs> yes north american i mean even though um robert eggers is not actually an american he's a guy from manchester but yeah i mean i had thought i'd do ari aster under there i know i won't win any yeah. fans by saying that but it does i mean look at hereditary i know people love it i'm not going to pick a fight with it <laughs> but it is a dumb 1970s um movie really isn't it but dressed in nice finery and um all posh and going out to dinner but it's it's a dumb movie it's a dumb movie it's blatantly a dumb movie but no it's got nice clothes on it's impressed and smart <laughs> yeah and like that's actually that's such a good point and i think that links back to as you said horrors been divided there's like this almost like intellectual horror and then there's this other type of horror and like i love dumb horror i love schlocky b dumb horror films when that's what they know what they're doing when they lean into it because then you just can have a fun time with it but as you said if you have a film that is on in every way a dumb horror film but because it's leaning into being about metaphors and all this type of stuff i don't know like as you said the fine dressing like there's bits to love with hereditary but i think it has been blown up being more than it is but but i think that's just maybe an ari aster or a24 thing as in like it's just because it's filmed by this person or that's been distributed by this studio it automatically is considered better than it might actually yeah that, I mean, I, I know people say A24 is bad, but at the same time, there's a cult around it, which is really, really weird. Mm. They don't make any films. They just put them out. Yeah, exactly. They just put they, they, them. They put crap out and they put classics out. You know, mm-hmm. it's to form your entire personality and assume that everything A24 is like, ha- that term, isn't it? We're wandering to elevated horror. <laughs> yeah. That dirty phrase. <laughs> <laughs> when, no, it's it's just some guys who think, oh, we'll make money out of that. Let's put that out. Yeah, 
Oh, it's it's such a like a and I think it like it stems from I don't know like where these these kind of different attitudes come from, but like circling back to as you said, there are this there's these people who just grew up with eighties horror. They love eighties horror. Everything has to be eighties horror to be considered good. Yeah. And I think in general with the horror community there's different pockets of people so there's people who are just if it isn't 80s it's shit and then there are people who it has to have come out in the lot like since 2010 or later to be considered good before then it's shit like there's this weird like kind of just putting yourself into a camp and anything that doesn't that exists outside of your little circle is automatically (laughs) hogwash and but in general though like it kind of stemming from that and it kind of, I want to know what you think about this because there is, and I've noticed, a certain subset of horror fans that do say there is no good horror movies anymore. And I want to know what you think about that attitude. Like, where do you think that stems from? <laughs> Wrong, isn't it? Basically, they put it simply. It's, it's like it's like those people have become the parents, you know, like when you, like your uncle or your dad says, oh, there's no good music after 1978. It's just bloody hell. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You know, you just decided to stop watching stuff, and just because you had one bad experience, decided it's all awful. Mm. Yeah, it, I mean, for me, horror is probably the most adventurous fandom. I don't know what happened to it. It used to be people were just looking for things from all over the world, like Japanese horror, South American mm. horror, um, European horror, uh, folk horror. There's so many different classifications of people just finding stuff, and you know being adventurous that it's it goes back a bit doesn't it because what it's like a conservative wing of horror fans which just Mm. seems like such a contradictory thing i know but it's like the subtext for a lot of slashes isn't it how uh young liberal free loving teenagers get killed by somebody you know to tell them how to behave proper because the final girl is usually virginal it's there's a right-wing thing, a right-wing reading there, and it just seems like there's a right-wing group, um, a very conservative and old-fashioned group of horror fans, and I don't know where they came from. I just don't know what happened there. Yeah, like, that's actually such a good um, analogy of it. Like, whenever I think about it, like, you know, automatically my brain just goes, you know, it's this person thinking I'm a cisgender straight white man and I'm no longer the focus of every movie. And there is an element of that. And I said, it's like a right wing, almost like bigotry type thing of like, this is all woke bullshit. (laughs) It's just like the most under overused phrase. Now it's just meaningless. Um, It is. And like, it's always like laughable that you'll see someone will like, even I say under the, like, as we were talking before we started recording, the new Hellraiser trailer has dropped. Yes. And there's been so many people, like, we're not so many, but there's been a loud minority of people kind of going, this is woke nonsense because Jamie Clayton is a trans woman playing Pinhead. And historically, Pinhead was played by a white man, Doug Bradley. And there's all these been people. Yeah. yeah, it's a demon. It, it's not a man. It's... <laughs> exactly. And also, it's Clive fucking Barker, the queerest of queer horror writers ever. So, you know, if read the text. But um, there's been people like going, you know, you'll see someone go, oh, this is all like woke bullshit. Everything's being shoved down your throat. And then you'll see in their bio and it'll be something like their favorite movie is like a Romero's like Dawn of the Dead or something like that. And you're just like... <laughs> uh, 
buddy, your favorite movie is like something that's got strong social commentary. Did, did you watch the same movie? Do you understand yeah. it? It's like keep politics out of horror movies, and you mm. just think, wow. <laughs> um, you don't know how to address that because pretty much, well, since uh, say pre sixties horror movies have been political. They've yeah. always been political. They've exactly. always been um, radical, basically. Yeah. And, like, just, yeah, just, and in general, most, like, that's what I've never understood of, oh, th- stop, you know, stop making it political. And it's just, like, what they actually mean is, like, stop telling me that my bigot, bigoted politics are wrong. <laughs> because that's yes. essentially what they're saying. Because, as you said, it's always been political. Yes, in the Hayes Code era and stuff like that, of course, it was very much subtextual because they couldn't be on the nose about it. But then, oh yeah, but it was that the the era of horror was just very, very gay. Yeah, yeah. very subversive (laughs) as it as well. (laughs) Like so queer, so everything was just queer coded and just. That's yeah. why that's why so many queer horror fans love that era of horror because like mm. it's just like, hey, we're on screen. We're not being told we're on screen, but we're on screen. <laughs> and it's I honestly yeah. think that like horror fans are kinda the smartest. Hmm. I I definitely would agree. Well That's very like slapping myself on the back, but yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd happily say that because it's the only genre. I mean the sci-fi is too, but sci-fi is is, is so broad it's almost meaningless mm, yeah and then also you've got sci-fi horror which is just like you know so like it makes it harder to kind of say which is the one yeah. actually saying something is it the sci-fi part or the horror part <laughs> but uh, like a drama it's pretty much a flat experience what you see is what you get you might have a little bit of subtext but generally speaking not really thrillers yeah. what you see is what you get comedy what you see is what you get but horror it's always been challenging it's always mm. been saying something yeah and it's, just forever really exactly it's the it's a subversive genre that's what it is and mm. like i've always like you know like to say that horror is the genre that you know turns a mirror to society like more so than any other genre of film and like I think like maybe stemming from it, like from what we're seeing now with like a lot of these attitudes of what people are saying that, oh, they're not making good horror anymore or just in general, like I think there is like, and maybe it links back to what we were saying earlier about this kind of broader sanitization and stuff like that. Mm. But I do think that there is an alarming lack of media literacy amongst a lot of people. Like, so I think a lot of people now are kind of like, not really aware of what they're engaging with and it's like i think yeah. that's why there is this type of person who's like yeah just doesn't realize what horror movies have always been doing because yeah, yeah it's a lack of it's, awareness i think it's like a layers thing as well mm. i might have said that weird i say some words weird a layers separate yeah. things on top of each other <laughs> but um like mainstream horror is being kind of lame for a while now and yeah. going back to like the 90s and the, the that's why i had such a t- long time uh getting into like horror as an adult because mm. that was uh i'm not a fan of scream so uh, fair enough Never <laughs> has to be but besides that there was stuff like um i know what you did last summer and uh oh, what was that one and called we've got the urban oh, legends and that's like the one yeah, yeah like the 90s like being someone who was like coming into like wanting to start watching films like during like the late 90s early 2000s was like a 
dark time because it was oh, like yeah. we were not getting what we were previously getting and it was yeah it yeah. was hard to navigate it and and, and then yeah. after that it was everything had like a new metal soundtrack i don't know what that was all about that was so <laughs> weird <laughs> that was a very yeah like that was like a very kind of like we're in the millennium now so it's all going to be new metal and just anger and and then yeah like it, it's it's that's one of my favorite things to do though is and it's why i kind of like i love what mike munster does with the evolution of horror mm. but like just watching as because like, like as we said horror is the genre that always says something it's always commenting on the society it's existing in at that time so you can like watch back through horror and it's a good way of kind of like having like a introspection into what was going on at that time so like oh, yeah. I definitely think that the reason those 90s horrors like obviously there were so like you know I'm a massive screen fan so like I love that franchise but I know a lot of people don't like it is what it is like and that's fine like not it's <laughs> not one of those things where I'm just like you have to love screen to be a horror fan because fuck that no it's just huh. a horror franchise and um, but like there were a few gems that stand out from the 90s but overall it was like an era where there wasn't that much happening because I think it was like a time where it wasn't that dark of a period in history. Like everything seemed to be mostly going well. Oh, for not Western. in the West. Anyway. Yeah, at least Western wise anyway. So that like our films that were coming out didn't really have anything majorly negative going on. No. Lots of monsters though. Yeah, lots of, Ton, yeah. Tons of monster movies. <laughs> That's true, which is yeah maybe it's just like everything's good here but oh we don't like anything that's like we, we don't like what's out there that's giving making <laughs> us scared if you really dug you could probably find a subtext in those things with the horror movies maybe <laughs> it's a bit of mental gymnastics you gotta do there yeah i think and, sometimes you just have to let a dumb horror film be dumb <laughs> yeah like if you try and looking for meaning in lake placid i think you, you're done really <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then, then again, like that's a sign of what the horror films were doing at the time. Is that like, as you said, horror fans? I do, and I do agree. I think, you know, in general, across the board, horror fans tend to be like one of the most kind of like critically aware type of film fans because like we are always like see, seeing things in the films, like and yes. picking up on things. <laughs> if like you're turning to those creature features of the nineties because there's nothing else coming out it's a it, it was a sign of the times <laughs> oh yeah I mean, even now like the the very top crust of mainstream horror it's very mm. safe but with, it's, yeah. it's basically like looking at the chat and thinking i know all music because i listen to the chat yeah it's no it's <laughs> yeah it's a crust on top of a very very fat cake <laughs> exactly and i think i think that's the thing as well like there is this like people who and like you said maybe it comes back to i think like it's less that horror is cool now but it's more that it's populist like so it's like yes it's entered the mainstream in a way that it hadn't before so i think there's a lot of people that are just like only watch studio horror that's what horror is yeah. to them they're not actually engaging with indie films and that's where the interesting stuff is happening like not you know I like my studio horrors. There are some that are interesting. And like also studio can be A24. It's not necessarily just the big names. Oh, it's like Bloomhouse as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like that's, and Bloom, that's... For every, uh, I mean, I like Happy Death Day. I know it's not great, but I like Happy Death yeah. Day and I like The Purge. So beyond that. Yeah, exactly. And also I guess I'm 
Jordan Peele's films would be studio too, because that's like, yeah. you know, Monkey Paw Productions. And I think Get Out, the first one was Blumhouse, as far as I'm aware, I think it was. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, so like across the board, studio horror is mostly predictable. You kind of know what you're getting, but there are some interesting things, but it's indie horror, which is where the most transgressive stuff is occurring. And I think a lot of horror fans just don't engage with indie horror, and that's just really limiting and boring. Yeah, because it's basically everything, really. I mean, uh, yesterday, just the day of this recording, it was the Queen's um, funeral. Mm, yeah. I thought, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not engaging with that. So I had a horror day. And I watched four indie horrors, um, mm. Speak No Evil, um, The Black Phone, which is a studio horror, but yeah. this side to the point, um, X and The Innocence. And we're talking about four very, mm. very, very different, different movies. Yeah, very different films. It all came out this year. So like, yes. it's really like, yeah, it just show, shows how broad of a spectrum the genre is at the moment. And I just wish people would expand their palettes more but um mm. kind of stemming from that um i want to know for yourself because i actually i saw like uh, your tweets yesterday after watching speak no evil and i one of the tweets as well was kind of mm. saying like you know in quotation marks if you'd consider it a horror and i want to know for yourself or it was like something along those lines um, but yeah, I wanna, yeah i remember i want to know for yourself then when it comes to watching horror films like do you have kind of like hard lines in the sand one side it's horror one side it's not or is it more fluid flux for yourself when it comes to like it classifying is, it it is more fluid and flux the reason why i, I took objection with uh, speak no evil is because it goes back to that thing with um Directors who think they are above horror, but they're using horror as a means to get ahead in the career. Mm. It's ninety-five percent a very awkward drama about um, people who really need to leave and they don't, <laughs> and five minutes of pure extreme horror. Mm. And that five minutes doesn't really make a horror movie. That's a horror shot on top of a really long, boring drama. Mm. I think if you're being horror you kind of have to commit to it. You can't just make one film and then decide to stick on an ending from another genre at the end and try and claim all the sort of uh, benefits of that other genre at the end uh, entails. Mm. It's just something that you have to stick with. It's It has to be a consistent tone. I have absolutely no objection to what that is. I mean, you could be... Um, oh, I always forget the name of it. Uh, really forgot the name of it. Uh, Father Beans, you, oh, you um, live with Father Beans. Shining, uh, the and Silence of the Lambs. Not there we go. Silence of the Lambs. Everything from like Silence of the Lambs is a horror movie. Seven is a horror movie. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Um, to stuff like I know Event Horizon. Hmm. That's a huge gulf of styles there. I'm not yeah. precious, but it's just you got to be it throughout all of it. You can't just assume an identity with a little bit mm. it, here's a reference it's like uh, companies are really awful for all of the year but when it's gay pride they pretend oh look got a gay pride banner on we're gay yeah. pride and it's exactly the same thing yeah no i i totally pick up on that um i haven't seen the speaking of evil movie yet i am gonna watch it <laughs> at some point this week just so i can <laughs> I don't have FOMO, so like everyone's talking about it. I'm going to just, I, I need to be part of the conversation. Ah, but um, I haven't engaged with it. But that's really interesting, your point about, like, the 
you know, it was like 95%, whatever, just kind of awkward, com- you know, awkward drama type thing. Yeah. Like, I suppose that's the thing, like, something can be, because like, at the end of the day, what can be horrifying to one person could be completely fine to another. Like, you know, we're, we oh, all, yes. all have our own subjective experiences. So I can, I can like, as someone who definitely falls under in some way, the kind of like neurodivergent spectrum undiagnosed, but I know it's either autism or ADHD or maybe a sprinkling of both. <laughs> I don't know, but it's there somewhere. Mm. I could definitely understand like there, like the idea of like, miscommunications around like dinner parties and stuff like that being horrifying but as you said is whether the tone of the film like so like for me like I'm very much you know polyamorous and non-monogamous so most rom-coms are horrifying to me like they're basically almost (laughs) horror movies because like they're They're like that yeah Yeah, exactly they're (laughs) absolutely terrifying and horrifying because I'm just like this isn't a problem. It doesn't have to be a problem. What are you doing? Um, and it's scary. <laughs> but I know they're not horror movies because they don't have the right tone, but they are horrifying. Yes. And it's such a line there. It's a yeah. wobbly line. Yeah. And it makes it like, it makes it difficult to try and pin something down. And sometimes I think like, is trying to like accurately pin something down or classify something is it helpful or not? Because like for me, sometimes I think like once you like define something as in you kind of go, this is the category, then it becomes reductive and you end up Mm. losing sight of lots of other different types of films that could come into the category. So yeah, like I'll, I'll let you know my own thoughts once I watch the, Ah, I mean, it's it's, evil. But, it's uh, probably inconsistent because the invitation you could probably make the same claim about uh, Karen Kasama's invitation. That's oh yeah 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 the invitation oh yes I remember but that's that like a, well. a dinner party and then it kind of shit hits the fan at the end. Mm. But the tone of that it's it's always very very uneasy mm. and the uneasiness in speaking the way will just come through scar, whereas and just people acting kind of like dicks, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with no sort of off button. But the invitation, it's just very creepy for mm. all of it. You know, something's going to happen. You just don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah. And maybe, again, that comes back to who's making the film. Because Karen Kusama is horror. Like, that's yes. what she's great yeah. at. She knows horror, and you can tell she that she's a horror does. fan. So that's obviously, you know, why she's able to create that almost, like, feeling of dread throughout that film. Even though nothing's actually happening, there's that feeling yeah. of tension. Utterly, utterly oppressive, that movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, maybe, I'm not sure, is, is Speaking of Evil, is it, like, the director's, like, first feature? Like, do, do we know I, that? or I, I think I've heard in, a, uh, in an interview he doesn't particularly like horror. So that's Lovely. kind of adding to my, <laughs> my figure here. Brilliant. I love that. That's just, like, that's wonderful. Um, but, but, yeah, like, it's... It make, it but does beyond make that, horror. though... But yeah. beyond that, though, I'm not like uh, saying, no, that's not folk horror, it's um, hmm. occult horror. I mean, horror is horror. I think there's way too many subcategories of what horror is. Horror yeah. is just either it or you're not, and it's just simple. Yeah. Just when you get into the subgenres, it's just, ah, oh, there's so many. There it's is so much. many, and it, 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 it does make it messy. And like then it's just, it, like, you know, 
like trying to like you know go oh is this film this subgenre or this subgenre it reminds me of those weird random like you'll see tweets of like oh who would win in a fight superman or this other random comic book <laughs> character where it's just like who cares it doesn't mean anything it's just all bullshit but like it's the same like you know at the end of the day a horror film is a horror film you don't need to try and specifically classify it as a specific subgenre like just say is it horror or is it not like yes obviously you know you might want to classify something as yeah this is a horror comedy not horror horror but there's there's a blurry line as well isn't it oh totally yes um because also as well like a horror comedy is such a hard thing to get right like it's much easier to fail than succeed is it a comedy about horror or is it a comedy (laughs) horror that's funny i know right like just yeah like to me like you know the ones that come straight to mind are obviously edgar wright Shaun of the dead and then tucker and dale versus evil they're the first ones that always come to mind as horror doesn't get enough love that one tucker and dale absolutely does not best uh gag reference to texas chainsaw massacre in cinema (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh i just adore that film and i recommend it all the time because it's just brilliant um and yeah it doesn't get enough love because it's just it's doing so much <laughs> um, yeah. and also just fucking hilarious <laughs> but <So> um, <laughs> but yeah i think like for me a horror comedy is like if you strip away the comedy it would still work as a horror like that's kind of yeah. like when you kind of identify it because like i think sometimes it's like it's a comedy that just has horror sprinkled in rather than it being an actual horror comedy. But then, like, you know, there's also, it's a horror film, but it just has humorous moments, like a Scream film or something like that. That's a horror film. Evil Dead. I mean, that's a a controversial one, but Mm. yeah, it's splastic is the term that they use for that. Uh, So Brain Dead, there's another one, which I think in the UK anyway, it's called Brain Dead. I don't know what's, I think it's uh, Dead Alive. Oh, yeah, I think it's Dead Alive outside. Yeah, but Brain Dead in the UK, the Peter Jackson one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, the one with the lawnmower and the very, 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 very bloody scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's just at the end of the day, as you said, horror is horror. Like, you just could get bogged down trying to classify everything, and it just, it's almost moot and pointless. Um, but then, like, stemming from that, there's also like a, and I think it's kind of partially been answered, but I want to know what you think as well. Mm. Like when I started this series, I gen like I thought this was something that was just people who were terminally online and like it was just a Twitter thing. But as I've talked to more guests for this, I definitely think there are people out in the world who think this. But you'll see someone will say, you know, insert film name wasn't a good horror film because it did not scare me. And I want to know what you think about that. Do you think like a horror film has to be quote unquote scary to be considered good or effective? I mean, no, it doesn't have to be scary. I mean, there's horror, uh, there's comedy movies that I love and I don't laugh at them. Mm -hmm. Um, And genuinely, absolutely genuinely, the amount of horror movies that have scared me ever, about 15 yeah. seen hundreds thousands of the things yeah um but yeah i mean i think it comes down to when i was in um in secondary school or high school as they called some places uh i think it was year nine mm. the history teacher showed us threads i say that weird there as well or not the nuclear apocalypse in sheffield movie which gave me nightmares. <laughs> so, 
So once you get that sort of existential tread out the way, <laughs> everything else is just... Hmm. <laughs> but when those things sort of cut through, when you, you see a scene... Mm-hmm. which cuts through. I mean, the overall atmosphere of a spooky movie, a scary movie, I really, really love. Does it, whether it frightens me or not, yeah. Italian horror movies don't frighten me, but I love them. Mm-hmm. But when something cuts through and you don't hide behind the sofa, you don't do anything like that, just the hairs in your arms stick an end. Mm. It's like, this is the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I think, like, and I suppose, like, again, that links back to it is so subjective. What scares one person won't scare another. And um, I think it's as well, what like, you know, when it comes to elements of horror, what, or again, possibly subgenres, but more I like to think of the elements of horror, you know, what can get under one person's skin yeah. wouldn't have any effect on another person like and I, I and getting under the skin doesn't even have to be scary it just means it's having a lasting effect on you or something like that it's like um to some people i mean dark water i think is a terrifying movie mm. but to other people like the japanese one other people yeah. watch i think this is just silly it's just a little girl running around and there's water but yeah it's everything is scary to somebody yeah so, and, every, so everything is somebody's favourite comedy. Like I could say yeah. Mrs. Brown's Boys is absolute dog shit. But you ask somebody and I else. I would agree. <laughs> somebody else will find it the funniest thing in the world. But, you know, it's everybody, horses for courses. Yeah, exactly. Everyone has their own tastes. Sometimes I might think those tastes are very wrong. But at the end of the day, <laughs> they're entitled to those tastes. Um, but no, and I think also part of it stems from again which horror people are exposing themselves to if like Mm. the types of horror films people only watch are studio horror films and they're not engaging with indie or small budget films then like they will have a very predictable type of film that they're watching so if we take you know as you said horror fans most horror fans only really watch horror (laughs) like you know they might watch some other like genres of film but usually horror is what we turn to the most so I think it comes back to people maybe not even a media literacy thing but maybe just people are not aware of what they're bringing to the films they're engaging with so like you know I think some people are forgetting you know the only films I watch are horror if I'm turning into a studio horror film like you know these films like are going to be predictable beats like you know as in like this 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 jump scare this 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 jump scare so you can see it coming so it's not going to have an effect on you but if you take someone who doesn't watch horror plop them in the seat beside you they'll probably shit their pants because they don't watch horror and it's going to actually work for them so i think some people come away from a film and it doesn't have the effect that they went in wanting it to and therefore it means that it wasn't a good film when it's just like no that's just stupid and you don't know how to actually analyze films like and it's the same i think we you see it a lot as well like now again i don't know if this is just twitter and because (laughs) you can't have nuance and people say things to get traction like you know someone will say you know i didn't like x film it was a bad film and it's just like no just because you didn't like a film or it didn't work for you doesn't mean it was a bad film. Like oh, for... I've seen some bad horror films, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, one hundred percent. Like, but for me, like for example, like Kubrick's The Shining. I I just I don't understand it. Like as in hmm. I, as in like not the film, but I don't understand the hype. It doesn't work for me. Hmm. But 
that doesn't mean it's a bad film. It's just not. something that doesn't work for me. I don't get it. Like, I don't get the attraction. But that doesn't mean it's bad. And I think some people just have this weird mentality of, I didn't like it, therefore it's bad. And if someone else likes it, they're wrong. And I'm going to shit it's on their opinion. And I just ridic- like, Ridiculous, oh. absolute state. It's either the best thing ever or absolute garbage. And it's just, yeah. you can't live like that. I mean, I've watched garbage horror movies, like, what was it called? Uh, Hellgate. And I thought, what is this shit? I can't watch it. It's just so bad. It's the only horror movie where I really, really came close to sort of turning off. Mm. But otherwise, you know, it's all horror. It's all fun. It's all interesting. Yeah, It might not be for me, but yeah. it's, it's all interesting. Exactly. And I think, like as I said, it's people have these weird polarizing. It's either the best thing since sliced bread or it's absolute dog shit. And it's just like, no, Things can just be, <laughs> you know, like they don't have to be amazing. They don't have to be yeah. terrible. They can just simply exist. Like, and sit like, those people in front of a microwave massacre or something, and then it soon change their mind. <laughs> Very much so. And like, oh, it's just, and I think it comes back to like, I don't know, maybe just again a lack of awareness and like people just online wanting to shout the loudest, and it's annoying, but like. You'll see it that someone will say, you know, I love whatever film. Someone will swoop in and go, oh, that film is shit. And it's just like, why do you, who cares what you, this person is just sharing their joy. You don't have to squash it. But on the flip side, you see this a lot as well, that someone will say, you know, whatever film didn't work for me, didn't like the film. Someone will then swoop in and go, oh, well, maybe you didn't get it or they'll try and like again <laughs> shit on it and try and yeah. turn them onto the positive side and it's like no just let people have their own you know experiences yeah. of the film and don't try and just like convince someone to come to your side just let people it's, enjoy things and let people not like things <laughs> it's, it's across all of i mean I, I do class horror and geek culture as sort of a big mm, umbrella term yeah it's just the biggest problem with geek culture has been the rise of the gatekeeper Yes. Yeah. Like, like people just waiting on social media for the slightest little reference of anything and they just pounce on it. I mean, why? It's. Yeah. That's like, uh, it's not to do with horror, but I like, I saw <laughs> uh, a tweet where it's like, because I think it's tomorrow the new Star Wars show Andor comes out. But yeah. I saw a tweet where it was like screen screenshots of like people like working out in the gym and stuff like that and in a keyboard. And it was just like the fandom <laughs> menace getting ready to hate on Andor at one minute past midnight. Because I think there is, like you said, it's gatekeeping. And then there's also this mentality of just not wanting to like anything new. And yes. it's just tiring and boring. And it's just... Horrors become so bad with the gatekeepers. Yeah. They're just, they never used to be there. But I think the internet has given a voice to people who really shouldn't have a voice. <laughs> that really it, sums it up. <laughs> and it's also with the filmmaking as well. I mean, the ease of filmmaking has given people opportunities to make films when they really shouldn't make films. Yeah. Yeah, it's, definitely. Like, it's become such a broad church that it's perhaps a little bit too broad. Like, mm-hmm. indie horror is, it's a wonderful thing, and there's so many great ideas. But there's too much of it. And yeah. when there's too much of it, those great things get just drowned out. Yeah, 100%. And it's it's, 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 it's kind of good and bad at the same time. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's annoying because it's like, because of the ease of films being able to be made, 
it means that people who've been shut out from the industry, like minorities, queer people, black people, like, you know, all any form of social minority is getting the chance to kind of tell their stories in unique and interesting ways. But of course, those still get drowned out by white, you know, straight filmmakers, horror bros that are just like, I wanted to make something about someone being torn up. And those things still get somehow more traction than the interesting things being told by people that are minorities. And it's just, yeah, it's annoying. Like like you said, there's some people who probably shouldn't have a voice or have been given a voice. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's loud. It's a- Black horror is the thing which is really growing and there's some fascinating stuff there. I mean, I know it's not new, but when I discovered Tales from the Hood, it was Mm. just, (gasps) wow. So this is a completely different style of horror that I've never been exposed to before. Yeah. And that's why I adored, adored the Shudder documentary Horror Noir, because that showcased so much of that type of horror that, a lot of white audiences weren't exposed to or didn't know existed, which is just because, again, the industry was like, well, we don't really want to actually give these films the attention they deserve. And yeah, so that like more documentaries like that, more minorities getting their voices amplified. That's a good, only a good thing. Um, and it's not just like social minorities as well. I mean, the industry is so based around, like, I mean, in the West, it's based around about four cities. Yeah. Um, London, Los Angeles, New York, and pro- maybe San Francisco. And that's the entirety of the Western horror industry. Yeah. Yeah. Like, which is like why when you think like indie films literally means anywhere that isn't those cities, basically. Yeah, basically. Like, yeah. and it's, yeah. And it's like, it's like not to, not to pander to yourself being Irish, but Irish horror, that's been a, sh- a huge new thing. Yeah. And like, to be honest, like it's only becoming like over the last few years, it's something that's actually becoming a thing because again, yeah. any type of Irish filmmakers, if they wanted to actually try and make a name for themselves, they'd have to go to the UK because the Irish film industry just the Irish government doesn't support the arts like in the same way that like the UK supports it, which it also isn't supported in comparison <laughs> <Not> really <laughs> in comparison to other countries, but it's more so than it is here, like and. I think particularly with horror, like in Ireland, as a specific example, as a country, like we've only in the last 10 years really started to kind of shrug off the weight of the Catholic Church. Like we're still culturally like we still have so much of that Catholic shame and stuff like that, because as a country, we were ruled by the church for so long. But it's only in the last 10 or so years that it's kind of like been we've become more separated and that's why Irish horror is becoming more interesting and there's more things being done so yeah but yeah like there's just so much interesting horror being made from different areas and different regions all across the world and we only get focused on as you said these specific regions and it's it's frustrating it's very frustrating I mean as somebody who lives in the north of England Mm. I know that the most people who are going to see anything that I make, any shots or whatever, is the people who are judging a a festival I might submit it to. People are. Because it's the way we speak. Which, um, you go, I know it's not relevant, but you go uh, to America and people will think we're French. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's, it's just so weird. It's, it's, 
trying to stand out and form an identity. Because one of the movies that really um, connected with me is, I know a lot of people slept on it a lot, but Ghost Stories. Mm, because yeah. that was a town that I a sort of town that I live in with people speaking like I speak. Yeah. And I know our representation isn't about white northerners, white working class northerners, it's about everybody. But at the same time, when you see a movie which reflects the yeah. world that you live in, it's very, very important. So it feels wonderful and to have everything around these very, very similar experiences, Los Angeles, New York, London, what have you, mm. it's that means nothing to me. I don't know what it's like in live in London or be a, a, a member of a society in New York. It means nothing to me. Yeah. So exactly. you can't relate to it. I mean, it's just too centralised, maybe. Yeah, 100%. And, like, I think just that, that comment of, like, you know, if you showed, like, you know, my accent like, to someone in America, they think I'm speaking a different language. And that yeah. just, again, shows to the fact that <laughs> the only type of English accent that is popular in america is this weird not even like an actual london accent it's this weird high yeah posh fake posh accent like you know that's why like downton abbey and all those things are super popular over there because it's like this type of accent that's easy to understand for them i know it's not relevant to horror but i was on the train in birmingham before and there was these two american uh girl tourists and every time i spoke to look back at me and gave me a funny look I thought, that's 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 weird. <laughs> it's it's just uh, yeah, um, it's that sort of perspective, isn't it? It makes, means a lot to a lot of people, but it's you just don't get it. Yeah, one hundred percent. And yeah, I really like what you touched on that because yes, I think like not just like to kind of be broader than just talking about horror films, but I do think across the board there is this type of like attitude of like you know all white people are the same and it's like well no like you know classism comes into it yes like from a global perspective white people have more social privilege than people of other races that's just like across the board a fact but then if you enter into like you know classism and stuff like that you know it gets more murky and that's where intersectionality comes into it but like that was just like kind of like a broader thing of like so that makes sense that you would see that representation because you hear people like you you see like you know and that's what that's why representation is so important and that's why it's annoying when you get those like racist bigots who are kind of like oh we can't have those people like be on as the main focus of the story and it's like you've been the main focus of the story for so long of film history let someone else have a go i think they don't realize it though that's the scary thing they don't realize that they are the they are on top yeah i mean it's it's political but it it just proves there's no such thing as trickle down economics doesn't it (laughs) Uh, exactly that's like oh yeah 100 percent like yeah we're gonna leave but yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna let everyone fight amongst each other and think that these things work the way that we tell them do when they don't actually work that way that's a whole other rant but um but yeah and it is it is just like actually funny enough i remember that quote from uh Bon John who when he won the Oscar for like direct I think was it Parasite he won the Oscar for his mm. direct, yeah but I just remember when he picked up the statue and he like had that quote about you know this is just proof that if people get over the hurdle of like one centimeter <laughs> sentences on screen a whole world will open up to them and it's again like people just have this idea of oh foreign language film therefore it's 
something I don't have to engage with or I will refuse to engage with and just because of subtitles and it's like it all comes stems from this people just don't want to expand their palette whether it's horror fans who don't want to expand beyond loving 80s or you know whatever it is but people just find what they like and then stick with it they just refuse to let other things in here's another wrinkle that i don't think a lot of people consider because it's just the status quo Mm. But I was reminded of it by a quote from, I think it was uh, Paul Chowdhury, Asian English English comedian, Mm. when he was talking about uh, American movies. He described them as world cinema because they are. Yeah. British films, Irish films are third class in British and Irish cinemas. Yeah. 90 plus percent of the stuff which are shown in uh, those cinemas as American. Yep, 100%. So, so it's pushing that sort of, we don't even, and people in this country don't even know what people sound like in other parts of the, the country because it's all Americanized. Yep. And I'm and not, not, just, not demonizing America, by the oh, way. Yeah. Just, it's just a stating, stating a fact. 100%. And it's not just films, it's our TV shows too. The most popular TV shows are ones that are made in either America or Canada by American studios. Yes. And are big over here. Like, and And it's always hilarious that a lot of these big, massive American shows have just tons of British actors that are yeah. actually in the cast with fake American accents. And it's just like so bizarre the way... Stranger Things, work. especially. It's just full of English actors, that thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just... It is like... And that thing, that comment about like, you know, the fact that the movies we get in Ireland or the UK... Irish made or English made films are considered like second or third class compared to Americans. Mm. Like, for example, like not horror, but one of the films that came out here in Ireland this year on Colleen Kuhn, The Quiet Girl, it's an Irish language film. Like that's like in the Irish language. So with subtitles and that didn't get like a theatrical run in the chain cinemas it only got runs in like the in our like the ifi which is like the irish film board cinema and like a few of the other kind of art house cinemas but like the actual main cinema chains didn't get a run and it's like if a film made in this country can't even be put onto the biggest cinema screens like that's such a problem and that's just language. Forget about even uh, horror yeah. getting into this. Exactly. That's not even horror. Yeah, that's just language. It was a drama. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like imagine so, if it was an Irish hor- language horror. That's not existent. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just such a sliding scale of. It just proves what I was talking about earlier that yeah. the horror movie, horror fans, by the very definition of existent, have to be adventurous because nobody presents this stuff to us. Yeah. We've got to be, we've got to get our spelunking gear on and go diving for it. <laughs> I love that analogy. That's brilliant. Um, but yeah, and like, I think that's why, like, it's it's almost like a weird kind of have like a catch 22 or have we shot ourselves in the foot as a community way. But like horror was like the most profitable genre throughout the pandemic because in general horror fans are always going to turn out for horror films because we We don't get them that much anytime we get one in the cinema we're going to go see it even if like it looks like it's not our subgenre that we're a fan of we'll still see horror because it's horror so because it was the only like massively profitable genre other than say the marvel films during the pandemic era (laughs) and that means studios are going oh horror 
that's going to make us money now. So there's going to be more horror being made by people who probably don't get or understand or love horror. And it's going to be like, I'm kind of a little bit pessimistic about what we're going to be getting over the next few years. Well, I'd like to think there's a lot of people coming through, but uh, a little hint of optimism. But yeah, yeah, I I understand the pessimism because it's just so cynical. (laughs) (laughs) The industry is just so cynical. Yeah. We've been made like we've been forced to be cynical. Um, And, uh, Speaking of a uh, feeling um, cynical, um, this okay. is like as like a because we're coming up to the hour mark now, so I don't want to hold you for too much longer. Um, but just this is something that like I I want I always like ask everyone that I talk to on this series because I think it's something that every horror fan has a perspective on. And it's really interesting. And um, but for yourself, do you think that when it comes to horror films that like, what are your feelings on censorship? Do you think that there are lines that can't be crossed when it comes to what's represented or put on screen? Or is it art as art and everything should be permissible? Yes and no. Mm. I mean, when I say censorship, I don't mean uh, general censorship, sort of. Um, there's a bit of sex. I mean, that was a thing a few uh, this year. Like, why has this movie got a gratuitous sex scene? Uh, yeah. Sex isn't gratuitous. Just you hear because of sex. What you're talking about? It's <laughs> ridiculous. It's like, the, thing it's like the one human fact. Like, come on. Yeah. So when I say censorship, I mean way, way, way down the line. <laughs> As mm. in when you're sort of on the line of between a horror movie and an extreme horror movie. There's where you've got to sort of play a little bit by a. And, I don't, and in just sort of personal perspective thing, there's just certain tropes that I think I could do without. I know it's not censorship, but yeah. I really wish the movies wouldn't resort to killing dogs to show how big the threat is. Yeah. It's just so cheap. And now they're starting to do it with kids too. Yeah. it's There's a line, and I think that's just sort of decency. I know horror's not a decent genre, but you understand what I'm trying to say? There's a... Yeah. Just decency of being a human and not doing those really cheap and tacky things. Yeah. But but on a grand, grander scale, it's just when it's the line between that and extreme horror. That's literally the only thing that I yeah. think should be there. I think so. And all, like, you know, as someone who's from the UK, you know, part of UK horror film history is the video nasties, which was literally <laughs> a state kind of governmental body kind of going, oh, these films, you cannot watch them because they're immoral or <laughs> and all this. And it's like... Yeah. That's where, like, you know, that stuff I don't agree with. You know, I don't agree with any type of body making a decision of to what consenting adults can watch. Like, you know, yeah. but I, I do see the merit in, say, rating systems. Like, you know, kind of going, you know, anything above this age you need, you know, is too mature for someone below it and stuff like that. I can understand that. But that also leads into some form of censorship because I, I, one of the things that I heard about the movie Fall, which is out in cinemas now, was... Oh, no. Yeah. Scared of heights. Not for me. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm also scared of heights, but I'm also, ooh, do I want to watch it? I don't know. But um, apparently, like now, I think it was just in America, but apparently the film was cut to remove a lot of swear words to make it achieve wow. a certain lower rating so that they could get more they could get it and viewable for like teenagers and like that's so cynical yeah that's so cynical but also i never understand that american attitude of oh the the, fuck 
swear words? No, 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 no. We can't have those. But hey, bodies being eviscerated. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a line of draw, isn't it? It's really weird. Uh, stands the turn. I mean, I th- personally, in the UK, I think I wouldn't. I don't think the worst thing would be to introduce an X rating. Yeah. Not like the X means banned. Yeah. It just means when you know you've got some really gnarly shit. Yeah. X rating. I think that wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. But yeah. uh, the, f- the 15 thing in America, that is a, that is a thing that apparently f- just things do better if it's a 15 because nobody wants to go to the cinema and see an 18 rated thing because of how much money those things make and they just don't understand that because most yeah. of the people who go to see a movie are adults. But America is such a complex country, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And that's why it makes it so frustrating that that's what, orchestrates most of the media like entertainment media that we get across the world is this one country that has very weird puritanical roots that still dictate what they make and it's like it's like what no this makes no sense like even like you know i'm you know at the end of the day i'm like a i like the marvel films i'm a marvel nerd so i'm happy with them they do what they do for me but i find it so so weird that it's like oh the idea that there's like swear words or nudity on screen, that's a no. We can't allow people to see that. But uh, having buildings that literally squashed like hundreds and hundreds of people, that's wasn't why. There, wasn't there a gay kiss in one of them and there was a big fuss about it? That was the most recent or one of the more recent ones that came out last year, Eternals. So yeah, there, that was the first one that oh, actually yeah, yeah. had probably the most unsexy sex scene that I've ever seen in a <laughs> film and a gay kiss. So like, um, like that really pushed the Americans overboard. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think that's the annoying thing about the fact that we are in this capitalist hellscape and <laughs> money, yes. like movies is a money-making business. So if it's not going to be profitable, it's not going to be distributed or it's not going to be made. And it's like, you know, money shouldn't control what art gets made. That's not how it should work. It's frustrating. Uh. But uh, yeah, I mean, censorship, it, it's, there's a value to it, just mm-hmm. not a value in how it's done. Yeah. I just, in a, in, I mean, when I say decency, I don't mean, oh, he said a bad word, he should rot <laughs> in hell forever. <laughs> I mean, sort of like, a, like Jap- uh, I know I talk about Japanese horror movies quite a few times here, but there's a like, Japanese movie called Grotesque, mm. which is about sort of um, limbs being torn off and very, very realistic effects. Right. I think there's a line there. Yeah, like... Because yeah. that's, that's the thing with horror. I mean, personally, I could watch a horror movie with anything, but uh, me dad watches um, TV programmes about ambulances and 24 hours in a mm. That, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't hack that. Yeah. But horror movies, I could stomach yeah. everything. It's just when it gets to that line. Mm, when it's, like, veering into... But I suppose that's why, like, in general, found footage is one of those genres that squicks so many people out because it's that it blurring that kind of is it real or not if yeah. it's done well. Um, but uh, yeah, and I think that's for me, like, because as you said, there is that line, and like, I don't know if I want to go as far as to say that you know nobody should be allowed to do something on screen, even if it's not to my tastes. But I do think we should have across the board for all forms of like films, like combined with rating systems, but like trigger warnings. So I think like yes. before a film plays, big blank 
like black title card, white lettering that literally says trigger content warning and describes what's going to be happening in that film. So that way someone can make a choice if they wish to engage with it or not. And, you know, yeah, like I personally think, as you said, certain things being done just because they know it's going to have a shocking effect is like, to me, it's lazy filmmaking. Like, but I do th- like so say for example as I said like you know dogs being killed in a horror film or something like that like yeah. I think there are animal ways- cruelty there's a lot of horror yeah. movies of a certain age of animal cruelty as well yeah animal cruelty across the board like let's put it that, that makes it easier like I think there's ways that you can show that like say a family pet has been killed by the ghost or something like that without mm. actually having to have that death happen on screen like so i think narratively there's ways of telling it without having to show it viscerally and yeah, yeah i think that's just the like for me that's the fine balance but you know maybe that's just because i have a dog and i love dogs so i don't want to see dogs get vi- butchered on yeah. screen you know it's, it's like um a lot of regional horror movies from the 70s and 80s uh working fright uh a lot of american stuff they had literal animal cruelty mm. And that is about where you draw the line, isn't it? Yeah. As far as sort of censorship, that's the the extent of it, yeah. 100% for me as well, just real cruelty. Like, I think that's where you draw the line. When you're making something that's for entertainment purposes, like, you know, one of the things that I kind of circle back to, and like, before we wrap it up, um, because I don't want to keep you for too much longer, but um, one of the ones that comes up a lot when people are talking about censorship is say cannibal Holocaust, because that film is like, you know, fan footage film, I think was it the seventies or eighties it came out in late seventies, late seventies. Yeah. And, and it has real animal death in it. Um, And to me, this is a film that's made for entertainment purposes. So therefore to me, that's just not, not acceptable. That's a line that's been crossed, but you know, is like where's the difference between that and then say like a Ross Kemp documentary that literally is going into somewhere and just literally documenting the way indigenous cultures what they do with the food that they eat you know like it's the for me it's like what's the purpose of the camera that's there is it literally just documenting something that happens in the real world (laughs) or is it telling us narrative fictional narrative story for yeah. entertainment purposes. So I think there's a line between what can be shown on screen. It's how it's being done. It's lazy. Yeah. I mean, you can say and show some really extreme stuff without actually showing some yes. really extreme. You can suggest you know, the, a human's imagination is far more disturbing mm-hmm. and graphic than anything any filmmaker could do. So use it. Yeah. But certain type certain areas of the world like i will bring up work in fright because it has a scene of them uh shooting kangaroos dead and i'll never be able to watch that again because of that even though it's a very good film it's because yeah. of that and i could have done that in a much more tasteful way and it's just gross it grosses mm. me out i'll be honest yeah, no, I I haven't even heard of that film and it'll probably be something I'll, I'll avoid now because I know that that's <laughs> in it. Or I'll be like, what are the specific scenes that I can skip? Um, but yeah, it's it, that's what it is at the end of the day. I think that's what it is. It's lazy filmmaking and I just wish those filmmakers would be smarter because it's annoying when a film, you can see that if this film didn't have that in it, it would have been so much better. Like yeah. it would have just been stronger and it 
that just disappoints me. So as a last, so going the opposite direction of disappointment, as a last question before I let you go, this is one I always like to kind of close out on, but what are your own personal comfort horror films? Like if you've had a shit day or a shit week, Um, which films do you turn to because you know you'll have a good time with it each time? um, It's comedy horror, honestly. Mm. Um, You know, you mentioned Shaun of the Dead earlier, but I stand by my, my assessment that Hot Fuzz is a horror movie. Yes, one hundred percent. Not many people say that. They think it's a cop movie. It's not. It's a. It's an absolute horror movie. It's a folk horror. It's basically yeah. a folk horror. That's essentially what it is. Like a, a folk yeah. horror comedy. But yes, one hundred percent. Um, off the top of my head, I, yeah, I think it's just mainly just horror comedies. I'll always have a time for a horror comedy. I know people didn't like it so much, but another recent one was Werewolves Within. I had a mm. fun with that as well. Um, Tucker and Dale is another good one. Uh, John dies at the end is another easy watch it's nice. it's just um because that's the thing isn't it there's a line between finding something funny and finding something terrifying and i really really dig movies that play with that line mm-hmm. yeah especially when they pull it off well and um, yeah yeah those films actually if i think i don't know if you've seen it but it's i caught it recently on amazon prime but it reminded me of similar vibes to tucker and dale versus evil but cannibals and carpet fitters it's a, that, no. it's an english like english made and actually i think they're like northerners as well like so they're i think it's like it's either northerners or they might be like a certain region of london i can't remember but they have like a regional dialect it's not that yeah. posh english accent <laughs> but uh so much fun really well done like so i'd recommend that seek it out if you like your horror comedies and um, yeah that's a nice list and i think horror comedies are good ones to turn to like um i definitely have like i think for me i've got like my comfort flat out straight horror films that i just rewatch because i just i know it's going to happen and i just like the films hmm. then i have as i said horror comedies and then i have my comfort objectively terrible films but they're like <laughs> they just make me laugh every time so like <laughs> yeah i mean w- w- i'll be honest i i like horror movies that are fun yeah it's i have a hard time with horror movies that take themselves too seriously mm-hmm. yeah so anything which is fun i could happily watch again and again and again even if i think it's just all right yeah because the tremors for example tremors is it's a because it happens at the day, I think people might mislabel it as like a fantasy or sci-fi movie, mm. but it's not. It's a horror movie. So anything with monsters, like giant monsters, I'm a sucker for monster movies just because yeah. of the era I grew up in or something which is funny. So Tremors, that's a kind of best of both, really, isn't it? Yeah, again, it balances it perfectly. But yeah, no, there I like those lists of films that you've given and it's nice. I always love knowing what, people find comfort in when it comes to horror films it's always oh, it's an always yeah. a great way yeah and one which people haven't seen enough of grabbers grabbers need to yes. be seen by more people yes because so also fun. a great example of well technically i think it was like a co-irish and british production but uh also yes grabbers is like to me it's an example of like you know good irish horror film because like it's Very just fun. glorious it's brilliant and <laughs> oh i just yeah, I've rewatched it so much because it's just so much fun and I wish more people like knew it because it's yeah. just brilliant. And like the effects are surprisingly good as well for like a, obviously yeah. quite a small budget. But, oh yeah, that film, 
best, best <laughs> drunk acting as well like survive by acting drunk or getting drunk it's just <laughs> yeah it's just so perfect and also it's like the per like it's the perfect irish horror film because it leans into the stereotype about irish people be always being drunk and it's like yep we're gonna go into it but yes that's one that more people should watch take Absolutely. heed um but yes before i let you go um thanks again for joining me and where can people mm-hmm. find you and kind of support your podcast and your horror work well, or just can, general podcast work <laughs> well you can find me uh, on twitter and instagram as uncut robcast uncut robcast uh, i'm on uh, letterboxd as well um and you can find me across there as well as do find directors uncut on podcast providers wherever you find your podcast amazing brilliant well uh, thank yes. you uh, yes um i <laughs> as someone who enjoys listening to your own podcast to my own listeners seek it out because i would recommend it um and to my listeners as well keep your eyes and ears peeled for future drops in my why hire series